This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise up uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now, let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. This is the year of the leader. This is the Leading Second Podcast. Hey, Leading Second, and welcome back to the Leading Second podcast. So excited and honored uh, that you found your way today. You're here uh, for one of our final episodes of season six. So thankful you've joined us. And I pray that this space over the course of this year has done something to move you and your team forward. I know that we're not supposed to have favorites in ministry, but man, I just feel like this has been one of my favorite seasons of the podcast. I hope it has been for you as well. And I'm excited today to have another great conversation on tap for us today. Rich and Cass Langton are joining us for an incredible conversation that I believe is going to be a blessing to you and to your team. As we head into our final episodes of season six, I want to say one final thank you to Tithely for helping us make season six of the podcast possible. If you're looking for a solution for your church's giving, I would encourage you to check out and reach out to Tithely. Their tools make giving so easy and convenient for your churches. And I'll tell you what, their dashboard and their reporting and tracking is even better. Uh, I love that they love the local church and I believe they'd be a great partner for you and for your congregation. So for more information, check out tithe.ly, that's tithely, and I believe they can serve you and your church well. Okay, so I am so excited about today's conversation. In fact, I'm going to be honest, I'm geeking out a little bit about it. Two leaders who I have long admired and respected are Rich and Cass Langton. And today, there are guests on the podcast. Many of you would know that previously they were the creative directors at Hillsong Church globally. Uh, but now Rich and Cass are investing their lives into building the local church, uh, specifically by resourcing creatives. So if you're a creative, this is your conversation. Uh, but really for all of us, I believe there's so much wisdom that we can glean uh, from the heart of this couple. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Rich and Cass Langton. Well, Rich and Cass, welcome to the Leading Second Podcast. So excited and honored to have you with us today. Hey, thanks for having us. We have known about Leading Second for a long time, and uh, we've been listening for a long time, but it's funny to be on the other side of that. So thanks for having us. That is uh, a scary statement all in itself, because I just <laughs> love you guys so much, and I respect you, and uh, man, that's crazy. But first of all, I want to give honor what honor is due. I just so appreciate you both. You probably don't know how you have blessed my life and my leadership journey from afar. We're just meeting right now. And yet uh, I feel like I know you because I've I've watched your example in Christ and serving in his house. So from probably a whole lot of us listening uh, and, and talking to you right now, thank you so much for your service uh, to the body of Christ over these last years, 
excited about uh, the season ahead of you. Why don't we start by, you know, just celebrating what God has done through you the last few years in the last season of your life, and you served in the capacity capacity you did at Hillsong. I'd love to just hear a little bit about that and that season for you guys for a minute. Yeah, that's fun. Um, I guess we ended up at Hillsong Church as a young married couple, kind of wide-eyed at the worship and what God was doing through Hills. I think it was called Hills Christian Life Center at the time. Right. And um, we had been like worship leading and involved in our little Baptist church in Melbourne. And as soon as we started marriage, Rich finished his theology degree and we found ourselves in Sydney just serving church. I can remember our first couple of weeks at church was cooking chips at a Hillsong conference and we were just (laughs) involved in anything that they would let us do. And finally we kind of knocked on the door of church and went, can we come volunteer? We just want to learn. And to be honest, at the time we thought we'd do two years in Sydney and we would go church plant. And we thought that we would be in that first chair. But actually we found ourselves, um, I guess, laying our life down and really sensing that Mm. the Lord calls to stay instead of go. And so we got involved and that was maybe 27 years ago and we spent 27 years on staff, or I did. We spent a little less. With a little break for having some babies. Yeah. And then um, ran the events department, ran the marketing department, ran all kinds of things, got involved until finally about 16 years ago, um, Darlene stepped away, Uh, Phil Dooley was running creative and Joel and Ruben came in to the driver's seat of the whole worship and creative side of Hillsong Church and Mm. somehow dragged me into the middle of it. I had an HR degree and (laughs) knew church well enough and so we kind of set about restructuring and reorganizing creative and dreaming about what it might have been that God had for us. Mm. And then over the course of a couple of years, it went from us leading together, the three of us, to I was given ownership of of the area. And I guess... We found ourselves in this beautiful spot that Rich and I had always imagined but never dared to believe that we could find ourselves mm. leading the creatives and in our hand was put this incredible opportunity to dream and imagine and um, how to retell the gospel story over and over in different ways. Mm. And we had the incredible opportunity to imagine a place for creatives for using their gifts and their talent and the beauty in the church to allow people to actually come in and encounter the house mm. of God and go, I heard stories, but I never dared imagine it was like this, kind of like the Queen of Sheba did when she mm. encountered this temple. And like the Lord allowed us to steward this incredible worship movement where there were songs that were coming out of people that were sung at bedsides and gravesides and church on Sundays. And the stories of impact and reach were mind-blowing and probably the most humbling thing that we have ever seen. Mm. I guess we spearheaded conferences like the creative conference and team nights which every Thursday night was a gathering of the creative community where God just like allowed us to see prophetically what he was planning for the the Sunday coming or Mm. all those sort of things and our team was rich and deep people who were passionate about the kingdom who laid down their life in order that other people would encounter Jesus from production teams to video teams to stage design teams writers um, photographers dancers And I guess God put them in our hand and then we had an opportunity to steward and work out where to put all those gifts and talents in play Mm. to truly make an impact for the kingdom. Mm. Would that be true? Yeah, that's great. (laughs) I think that, um, as Cass said, we could have never imagined uh, really being a part of what we ended up being a part of. And um, obviously there's a story uh, more recently of 
of some you know dysfunction and and all that but but for many many years we were a part of a move of god really something that that uh certainly i could have never imagined i thought that um you know to be able to be on staff at hillsong church would be a blessing um to but then to be able to lead and pastor in the creative sphere you know that second chair of worship and creative arts um yeah. it was just a blessing and um and i think honestly i learned a lot um about leading because we were at hillsong church we went there really having i guess some good theology but not much practical leadership skills and and i think that's what that primarily one of the things we really learned and what we've taken away and now what we're we're trying to use uh, as we move forward so anyways it was a it was a blessing pretty amazing uh, journey and really humbling to watch god at work in spite of us like i think that mm. probably is i have an inbox full of messages from people about how god used the things that our team created to lead people to him mm. and i yes. read the stories and i'm like we just were never that good like as people, as leaders, we're not that good. Our team wasn't that good. Like they look incredible. Our planning, our strategy, nothing justified the impact that the Lord had. Yeah, when you say they weren't that good, our team were actually <laughs> <Okay>. world class. <laughs> <laughs> so they were people that had really honed their craft and they'd given their all to be as, as good as they could be and right. offer their lives to the Lord. And I think one time someone asked me, they're like, what's the real secret behind Hillsong Church? you know, at, right at its heyday. Um, and, and I was like, honestly, it's the grace of God. So to Cass's point, yeah. it's the grace of God. Only by the grace of God does anything, you know, do we do anything? Um, Jesus said, you know, apart from me, you can do nothing. It feels a bit like that. But it's the grace of God. And we we just lay our lives down. Yes. And, and he used it. And I think that's where, um, that's where there's that beautiful combination of, um, of the Lord did something pretty amazing with people who are willing to give their all to to Him Beautiful. and Him. So, and I think when we came to Hillsong Church, it was one campus in the hills of Sydney. Wow. Maybe, maybe there was Kiev had just mm-hmm. started, and maybe London was just coming on board. But by the time we left, it was thirty campuses locally, thirty campuses globally. Um, yeah. Worship expressions that there was just growth and expansion. Yeah you could never have imagined. Hmm. I I remember in our church, we were singing Hillsong music before anybody was. I mean, we're, we're like at Stone's Been Rolled Away days, you know, and and those, you know, those days. And what, what an incredible imprint and prophetic gift, you know, y- you all and your ministry, the ministry you stewarded. I love that you put it that way. And your church, where to the body of Christ, so much to be celebrated there. And um, tell us about this new season that you find yourself in. And I'm sure it's very much still forming, but I I love that you're you're boldly stepping into it appears serving the greater body of Christ. And what what a gift that is in and of itself. Tell us a little bit about just what's in your hearts right now and where you're headed. Yeah, thank you. It's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think, so having been at, at the One Church for so many years, uh, I don't know if we knew what to expect when we finished up. You know, we, we finished in February of this year, and uh, really the season, it, it just became evident that it's time for us to pass on the baton, if you like, and allow God to do something fresh and new 
um, with Hillsong Church. Um, and so then for us, I guess it was, it's been a season, if I'm real honest, of healing and of um, trying to work through what the future holds, you know, what does God want with us? And I feel like we've gone through that full cycle of grief, of, of you know, um, being sad and being a- angry and, um, and then just even questioning everything about, about what the Lord's done in our own lives. And um, I feel great, though, because, um, you know, in God's kindness, he allows you to, to sort of work through stuff and come out the other side. And I think what, right. we've, what we've discovered is that uh, perhaps, maybe, just maybe, God used all of those 20-something years in, in, in us as a training time um, so that we can actually step out into a new season and, and um, perhaps uh, minister to the wider body of Christ. We were very much... Um, focused on the on the local church, the church right. that we were a part of, and then as that expanded, you know, the, the, this one church that was global, um, and that took our time and attention. But we always have had a heart for the church, capital capital C, yeah, and, and yet no time to really minister to it, um, or very little. We had conferences and things where people came in, but but now I guess our eyes have been open to um, the, all of this stuff that we've we've experienced that we can now share. And so from that perspective, straight off the bat, I guess we started a little online newsletter uh, and community for, for creatives, for worship and creative teams and, and pastors who, who lead those teams um, just to keep doing what we had been doing because I guess yeah. what our position has changed, our heart for, for ministry has, hasn't and our heart for the Lord hasn't changed. And so while we're not in a full-time sort of ministry position, we felt like we would not be stewarding our lives well if we just sat sat back and did nothing. Yep. We started that. It's called the Hopeful Rhino, and um, and it's just a weekly newsletter, and it's um, it's it's us trying to share what we know and what we're experiencing with the with the church, and try to be encouraging to uh, you know, to the wider body. So, which has been yeah. so fun. We started it. People have been contacting us from um, Scotland and India and Taiwan and um, inside China and all kinds of different places asking for help or how do you do this or, or what, what's God saying to the church? Like could we have a talk, needing coaching, needing resources, needing help? And it, like we've been amazed going, God, the things that were in our heart for all these years have actually been the things that you're bringing to the forefront. We've started... Yeah some churches in America, which has just been such a gift and helping them with their team alignment and leadership and honing their creativity and working actually like not as consultants, but as parts of their team to actually bring strategy and joy and creativity and help take their worship forward. Mm. And like for us, we've just come alive being able to work almost as a bridge between the lead pastor and the executive pastors and the creative teams with where we found the tensions and the challenges. And the resourcing that's needed. Mm. We've also done lots of speaking at conferences and Sundays, which we've said no to everything for years. So now to go out and go, oh my goodness, God's doing the same thing everywhere, and it's beautiful. That's right. Getting to meet has been just lovely. Yeah. At the end of maybe last year, beginning of this year, we sat in a foyer in a hotel with Ben Fielding and Reuben Morgan, and they're songwriters and worship leaders at Hillsong Church, or they were. And they were also some of our dearest friends that we came to Sydney with 27 years ago mm. from the Baptist Church. 
And we all sat just talking and dreaming about what the Lord was doing in this season. And we started to dream about what he might have for us. And as we mm. all started talking, we kind of got excited about the potential of this season and what the Lord was able to do with lives offered to him again. And it felt like he was asking us to put all the dreams and everything that we imagined on the table and watch him breathe life on them again. And so, like, even in this season, it's been a joy. We started a little Sunday night community with them and we've watched all these 18-year-old kids who have a desire to lead worship and a gift of songwriting and start to rise up around us and just watch the Lord take something so small and breathe life into it again. So we ran our first worship night with those guys in Sydney uh, probably two months ago Mm -hmm. and have such a hope that the Lord's not done with worship in Sydney, Mm -hmm. that maybe with what we all have in our hands, he starts something all over again. And so that was a joy. Yeah. Yeah. So there's lots happening and nothing (laughs) at the same time. We're just excited about what the Lord's doing. You know, I was just saying to a friend last night, Actually, uh, yeah, someone from our team at home here, we were out to dinner and we were just talking about this, how, you know, at some point, every tree stops growing. I mean, at some point, the growth is not unlimited. At some point, it reaches maturity, it reaches its height, but then it seems like the tree then shifts to becoming more about the forest, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, seeding other trees. And and it's an interesting thing when you go through that as a leader where you realize I'm, I'm not just growing our, our tree in our house now I'm actually investing into the forest of what God is doing and I love that I love when leaders step into that so thank you all for stepping into that for for following God I'm sure there's probably more more questions than answers right now you know we we started this we started this 12 years ago um, by me getting let go off of our staff for, for, for financial reasons, downturn after 2008, you know, and, and mm-hmm. all of that. And I've told that story here a couple different episodes, but funny how God uses those, those odd moments to bring about something for his kingdom. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I've been studying my masters of divinity in this season. I just decided that it was maybe time to go back and study a bit as well. And um, I've recently been studying the early church and in it, we were talking about yeah. Stephen and his martyrdom and how um, yeah. it challenges the religious establishment and it, it leads to his death. And in his death, um, there's a scattering of the church right to the far ends of the earth. And it's almost as if, if he had never died, the church would never have scattered and God would never have sown all those seeds everywhere. The church would never have sprung up. And I dare to believe, like for us, for you, for all sorts of people, in the death of one thing, in the death of dreams, it's almost as if there's a great ability for new life to spring up. It's, mm, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. That it's called the difference between Acts one and eight, and Acts eight and one. You know, that 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 what was what was said of the church in Acts one and eight was fulfilled right through that moment. Yeah. And and I beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's rewind. We're going to talk today about leading second as a creative. I absolutely love this conversation, and we don't have it enough. And let's rewind back to those twenty seven years for a minute that you had in the second chair. And I would just love to hear you 
first of all, just talk about this idea. What does leading second as a creative mean to you? You know, the whole idea behind leading second is we champion the vision of the house and we, we, um, believe God that our part moves it forward. We're leading from the second chair. What does that look like specifically for a creative? Yeah, there's a lot to it. I think one of the ways that we have often described it, or I've often described it is, um, is that, you know, in, in many, I guess, large churches or, or just churches in general, we have a, a senior pastor generally who is the visionary leader. Uh, and certainly in the church right. like ours and, and that visionary leader, um, they would often want to have, uh, create other visionary leaders and that's, that's great. And they should do that. The only problem is, is that, um, if you're a visionary leader, you create a vision and you want to go outwork that vision. And so in order to sort of help our creative team think about where God had placed them, which was in, in that particular house, you know, in that church, um, we came up with the, the, the idea of us being imaginary leaders. We've got a visionary leader, um, but, but we don't have many people who can uh, turn that vision into, you know, see it in their imagination, turn it into reality. Um, oh, yeah. Wow. Guess we'd call it a, like a prophet um, you know. Well, I, I love the story of Nebuchadnezzar. I think of him like our senior pastors. I've got a dream, <laughs> but often they can't right. articulate or tell you what that dream is. They've got a few words, but they don't know what it looks like. And Nebuchadnezzar called for the prophets, for Daniel, to come and interpret the dream. And I think like when we have stewarded creative teams, they have been the Daniels. They've been the ones who have gone I know what your dream is. I can see it. Let me help you to understand what that dream looks like in reality. And Daniel was able to tell Nebuchadnezzar what the dream was and what it meant. And I think often our creative teams go, oh, I know what you see. Let me show you what it is. And in in all of the limitations of human language, I think the arts actually create um, different language to help articulate visions. Things like music and film and visual arts and dance all help us to feel clearly what other people just feel vaguely. And so I think there's something in these arts, in the worship, in the sound, in the lights, in the production that allow people to see the beauty of God. Mm. I, I think the second chair, it's like taking a diamond and keeping on twisting it and going, can you see God? He looks like this. And the light catches on that element. And then you twist the diamond again. And it's like, actually, can you see this? Can you see this? And I the creative leaders are the ones who twist the diamond and keep shining mm. light on different aspects of who God is and what he's like in order that the senior pastor's vision to take the gospel into all the world would actually come to fruition. Beautiful. Be- I love that, by the way, uh, uh, the, the prophet sent to interpret the vision. What, what, what an incredible mandate. And and the th- the term was the term was imaginary leaders, right? right? Is that, am I getting that yeah. right? They're not they're not figments of it. your imagination, but they imagine just yeah. like a visionary leader, <laughs> you know, a visionary. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful. No, I love it. I love it. Okay, so then let's go straight to it, friends. Um, you get a bunch of people who embrace being imaginary leaders. And we're going to interpret the vision that also, though, at the same time, opens us right up to a whole host of ideas <laughs> and a whole host of everybody brings their imagination and they bring their creativity. So let's talk about this tension. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
how in the world do you keep alignment and everybody moving in the same page when everybody's bringing their imagination? Because I think it's a worthy tension for creative teams, but I'm certain that one that you've had to steward before. So I'd love to hear you talk about that. I I think it's interesting um, when people start to talk about creatives, they immediately and, and yeah, they immediately just think of, um, no boundaries, no holds barred, you know, just, just free flowing, go where we want to go. Anything goes, you know, the budget's out the window and the, um, the timeframe's out the window and you can just do whatever. And obviously the best creatives, if you look at it, you know, even outside the church, they're, they're obviously very disciplined. They're very, um, Printed, right. They they think through budgets. They generally, talented. yeah, they're talented. They they hone the craft. They work hard. Um, they're not just um, free thinking all of the time. And I, and I think there's this conception yes. about creatives that you just have to let them kind of flow, and that's how they are, and and all of that. And and actually, our experience would be completely the opposite. Yeah. Where where actually they're they're willing to stick to a process and a and a and a flow. Um, but also there's times when, when that flow has to be more fluid and, and more blue sky. Um, so yeah, there's a bit of, there's a bit of, I guess it can be a misunderstanding of what you're working with. And, and so that yeah. creates tension. Creators want to do good work. And I think Christian creators mm. want to be Christians before they're creative. They want parameters and boundaries. They want to be true to the message. They want to reflect Jesus well. And so, like, there's these beautiful verses in Galatians that we used to always use with our team in the message. They say, um, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been doing and sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Mm. And I think even that is real parameters mm. around how creatives contribute to this whole concept of imaginary leadership because the imaginations are within the boundaries of kingdom and they're in the boundaries of making Jesus known and they're glorifying him, not yourself. And so I think all of that, we spent a lot of time Thursday nights talking culture around creatives because obviously whenever there's a platform, there's a somebody becomes famous on a platform. Um, platforms can be used for status or they can be used for service. And if you can keep creative teams aligned that we're all here to serve, we're all here to build the kingdom, we're all here that Jesus would be the name that is known. Then everybody puts their swords on the table together for the same kind of kingdom outcomes. Mm. And so alignment becomes easy when we're more focused on the message than the method, um, when we're more focused on Jesus is the one, not we're the ones. Mm. And when we actually limit ourselves by the budgets of the church and the timeframes that we have and what kind of team the Lord's entrusted to us. Mm. We've watched so many creative teams want to be another mm. church. And I think the Lord always says that he gives mm. um, the church what it needs to fulfill its commission. And when somebody wants to build some church but they actually yes. glow or they're like whatever name is above the church, you have what you need in your house. So you just need to unearth what the Lord's trusted with you and then put that into play the way that he intends you to put it into play. That's right. We We've been going Beautiful. to a little Anglican church recently and it's been so fun to watch their oh, creativity because wow. they, they're not the biggest church in the city, they're not the most famous church in the city, 
but they're very conscious that the Lord's given them what they need to reach the people they're reaching. And so their creativity looks really different to Hillsong's creativity. Mm. And yet they are equally as creative just within different parameters. Mm. And so their creativity mm. looks like really beautiful candlelight Easter services and it looks like grand pianos, it looks like different expressions and orchestras and, mm. and it's amazing. And then we've worked with another church or a couple of churches in America and it's the same thing. When they try to be somebody else, they miss the mark, but when they're true to themselves, it's beautiful. Mm. At our worship night the other night, um, one of the guys who used to work with us at Hillsong Church went, can I come and contribute my gift? Because obviously when we're doing this, we want, I want in. And we went, you can, but like um, the parameters around this are a little bit different to what we were working with. What we're trying to do is surprise and delight the people that they would come that would come with the simplicity of worship he's like okay I can do that I can do that Mm. and when he turned up on the day he bought this most beautiful cross that had lights in it he'd made from like the local hardware store and it was spectacular and it was on the middle of the stage and all the band focused in on it and there was nobody who was center stage except for Jesus but he turns up and he comes carrying all these chandeliers in and we're like, the brief was simple. <laughs> and I'm like, so do you want to hang those chandeliers around the building? And he goes, no, no, no. When I was praying for the night, the Lord gave me this image of chandeliers at the foot of the cross and told me that tonight everybody would bring the broken and the beautiful things and they'd lay them at the foot of the cross. And so we just laid these chandeliers really simply around the cross and it was such a beautiful visual representation of what God was doing in the room. And as worship started, you could hear people mm. sobbing as they realised that the picture was them and that they were just meant to contribute their lives. And I think mm. that's what creativity does. That's, that's the alignment when there's clear vision and some good parameters and mm. then people who share a common goal. Mm. It's easy to get that alignment. I ask about alignment a lot because, I first of all, I feel like we get asked about it. A lot. And I feel like it's the cry of so many leaders out there. And I think my question for you all would be then, if a a leader, this would really be any leader, but we're talking creatives. If a creative leader doesn't understand the parameters, they don't have a clear picture, um, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's missed them or not been given to them in some way or made clear in some way, what can they do to achieve clarity? And seek that out. What what would that look like for them to find their way to alignment? Because I think we're we're all just championing here the incredible mm-hmm. value of that to the house and to our creativity. How would they achieve that if they feel like they're missing that? I feel like questions, like ask better questions, ask more questions, and then watch closely. Like I spent a long time at Hillsong Church under Donna Crouch and watching her watch Brian and she knew uh, that he cared about the trees dying out on the driveway and he cared about how the chairs were set up and he cared about the church feeling like a lounge room for people and he cared about like there were so many things that mattered to him that I think when you spend time watching and listening to people you understand. Mm. I would tell creative pastors all the time stand next to your senior pastor in church and ask them what they see, ask them what's them, mm. ask, ask them what breaks their heart, what motivates them, what they're looking for. And I think seeking clarity around what is it that we're doing on a Sunday, what is it that you're doing Beautiful. midweek, 
And then how can we come alongside and help support that? Because to be honest, some creatives want to push a creative agenda because they want a church to be creative, to be musical, to write songs. But the reality is that song, that church maybe shouldn't write songs. That church maybe shouldn't have a Christmas pageant. That church maybe shouldn't have because the pastor's heart's outreach. And maybe the best thing a creative mm. team can do is go and serve meals at the local shelter or take their guitar down and play songs for people who are eating dinner that night. There are different ways to outwork creativity in the church, and I think a creative team thinks creatively about how to do that. And, and don't you think there's probably got to be a lot of pastors out there who feel like we're not telling the story well enough of our church, of, of who we are. You know, sometimes I think um, pastors, I think that's the only way I know how to put it, wish they were telling the story better. And you almost kind of feel like the best kept secret in town. I, I felt like our church like that at times, like, man, we are the best thing happening yeah. around here and, and we need more people to know about it. Don't you think that that's also an intersection for creatives to help just tell the story uh, of, of the beautiful work God is yes, doing at your church? hundred percent. And, and that doesn't even have to obviously happen on a Sunday. That happens when you're out and about during the week, right. being creative in your everyday life, you know, that's being Christian. In fact, um, telling the story of what God's doing. Um, yeah. the, there's something interesting, though, that, that Cass sort of touched on is she mentioned about standing next to your senior pastor during a service and, and asking them questions. Mm. Um, often there's this this gap, but, but usually I think because of respect, where, where a second chair leader wouldn't approach their senior leader. Um, either their own insecurities won't allow them to or their own respect for the leader won't allow them to or there's a, there's, there's a gap there. And, and what you see over time is that the, the gap causes miscommunication and misunderstanding. And, and I think that if there's anything mm. that, that in this season I've been watching is that um, often the senior pastor is off doing the senior pastor things and the, the second chair, chair leader, in, in this instance a creative leader, is trying their best to, to guess what they're expected to do. Um, but there's a, this disconnect because of either relational disconnect or just distance, t- time frames and meetings and busyness. And I think if um, in this instance there's there's something to be said about humbly submitting yourself to your senior pastor or your senior leadership and and approaching them for direction. And and often I think what you find is they don't they don't know. That's why we need to to be able to interpret. And so it's reading between the lines of what they're saying. It's un, it's being willing to do something you think is right and make a mistake so that you can work out, no, that's actually not what they, they don't like that. <laughs> Let's not do that again. But it's that humility of, of just serving um, the leadership and, and taking the time to build relationships where you can or just do that interpretive work where you can't. And I think anybody who leads in a second chair, particularly creatively, um, there's a language gap between the creative world and a senior pastor's world. And I think Mm. that second chair leader and creatives have got to learn um, how to communicate the vocabulary of creativity to the senior pastor. So I would say that the creative world has very high expectation. It takes a lot of work to get the output. Like rendering videos can take 24 hours, can take 48 hours. Senior pastors go, I want a 26-minute documentary and I want to tell the best story of our church we've ever told with one film person and it's going to be amazing. And you're like, 
do you know what? Yeah, one film takes a film crew and an editor and a scriptwriter, and it takes, oh, but I'd like a little bit of animation too. And you're like, you have no idea what you're asking for. I want it to be underscored. I want music. I want, mm. and you're like, um, somewhere that second leader has got to articulate what does it take <laughs> to get this creative thing done? And do we have the resource that we need? Or are you being like Pharaoh where you want more bricks with less straw? And, and there is a real tension in oh delivering criticisms, right? Yes, yes. I've I've heard it put as the difference between eagles and ducks in, in just in the standpoint of for an eagle to get from one peak to another, it takes, you know, three right. flaps of the wing, you know, and they get over there versus those ducks have to walk all the way down. They got to go all the way in the middle and they got to go all the way up. And I think a lot of times visionary leaders, first chair leaders, they have the Eagle perspective. And so they, it's a couple flaps of the wings. What's, you know, what's the big deal? And the ducks know, no, that's a really long journey to get from up there to over there. And, but then to this point, don't you think, I mean, number one, don't you think a whole host of problems are solved just by starting early enough, just by getting the juices flowing early. But typically I, at least with my pastor, I noticed when he got the inspiration, we were already going to be too late to really do what was in his heart to do. So it was almost my job to lead him. It was almost my job. I, when I led our team church conference and, you know, some of that for us, I, it was my job to get out ahead of him, not not misaligned with him, but get out ahead of him, see what he wasn't seeing. And actually, I remember one time we sat down in like early in the year to talk about our event in August. And he was I could tell he was a little bit like, man, we're already talking about August. <laughs> and I was I was like, yeah, we're going to talk about August because I'm a duck and I have to take this really long journey to get get you where you want to go. And, but that was, those were the seasons. I mean, wouldn't you agree those, when you can get that right, that's when the best creativity can flow when you embrace that role. That's where I think there's power in what we were talking about before, where the ideation phase and everybody coming together and dreaming together allows you to have so many ideas that you can actually pitch to your senior pastor. What if we did this? Or can you imagine that? Or can you, what if, what if it looked like this instead of that? And there are different ways of telling stories. There are better stories. There are other ways. We would see it all the time as our job was to source stories from the church. And so you'd stand in the foyer talking to people and all of a sudden you discover how they came to Christ or testimonies of God or they were in the prisons right. this week and somebody told them a story. And, and we would just kind of harvest stories and then you'd have them at your fingertips and go, look what God's doing amongst us. Let's mm. tell these. Mm. We would even like for our team, I think for the creatives, our prayer meetings were culture shaping. We wrote about it on the Rhino last week, but some of the greatest places that you have to shape culture and to help people to align are in those moments where you go, mm. you're part of something far bigger than the creative team, Mm. you're part of a church and the church is doing these things. And Mm. if you lift your eyes, then you'll start writing songs about um, Bruce on the third row who's been reconciled to his daughter and you'll start writing stories for the mum who's going through a cancer battle and you'll start, like, creating moments and films for that family who are really struggling Mm. with their kids that they've just adopted. Mm. And then there's power in what we create to actually unify the church Mm. and to tell our the story of faith. Yeah. Mm. And as, as far as um, Beautiful. 
uh, senior pastors and, and senior leadership, uh, their timeframes versus the creatives timeframes. One, one tip or one thing that we found was useful was that we would start to talk about uh, next year's event as we're finishing up this, this year's one. Yeah. Because our senior leadership were really in the flow of like right. how, feedback. <laughs> yeah, how, how great was that conference? And let's never do that again. And let's do this. And oh, imagine if we did that. And we would keep notes and records of like, oh, this is what we talked about in 2022. Let's use that in 2023 and sort of be planning ahead. And then um, it was like you said, it was our job to make sure that we were managing our own timeframes and our own creative process. And and it wasn't it wasn't you know the, the the people outside of the team's job to do that. And so we had to work out ways in order to get um, our senior leadership thinking about the events that we needed them to think about when we needed to, them to think about it. And that takes creativity. And and so we would talk about that a lot. We're the creative team. There must be a way we can come up with to, to you know, think about this differently. And it's not always about painting right. or drawing or, or artwork or music. It's sometimes about creative thinking. Because so. you need different... You need yes, different types yes. of creative people at your fingertips. We kept finding that there was always this um, assumption that everybody could become leaders of leaders. And so all we needed was for the creatives to actually impart their skill to the next generation and to lead teams. And I think sometimes you find creatives are specialists. They're architects and they're very good at what they do. They're editors. They're not trainers of editors. And so sometimes you've got to let the creatives be the specialists and then you need generalists who can actually raise up leaders as well. Mm. And a team of both of those things works in perfect synergy. Mm. Like we always knew we were going to expand as a church and therefore we were going to need more leaders at the ready to go and to send than what we had. Mm. But asking a creative to raise up another creative might not have been the best way, but finding people who could lead leaders mm. was going to help us. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. So something I've been dying to ask you, since I started stalking you years ago, um, <laughs> I'm joking, was, um, okay, so you two stewarded creatives and, of course, most notably worship leaders, you know, that was, that was a, of course, a huge point of influence for that particular team. But I don't believe you two are worship leaders. I find this very interesting, and I've seen this happening more. Uh, as someone who kind of, you know, grew up around creatives myself, I flirted with my old days back in the day of worship leading, uh, but that didn't work out for me. Uh, I found it very interesting, the model of your stewarding, um, you know, worship leaders, musicians and stuff, but I never once saw you two lead worship. So I would just love to hear you talk about that model and that dynamic and and how you found yourself kind of in that particular role, if that yeah. makes sense. Uh, back in the day, like yourself, I, I led some worship. Um, but soon enough, I realized that it wasn't my main thing. It wasn't the thing that I was willing to do the right. work on to get to where I needed to be. And I and I, I really the, the pastoral side was was where I was much more interested at the people side. And I think that's that served us well because. Um, one of the things we learned along the way is that you need to be able to speak the language of the people that you're ministering to. And so, so we can, we can talk creativity right. and we can talk music and all of that. Um, but we don't have to do it in order, in order to lead those people. In fact, when, when we're talking about our last question or, uh, when we're 
the answer to the last question. Uh, one of the things I was going to say was exactly this, that, that um, for people leading creatives and leading churches, I should say, um, you don't have to put a creative person in, in to lead those people. Uh, in fact, we, we mixed it up quite a lot. Jad Gillies, who's part of Hillsong United, um, you know, he is a worship leader, but he, he ran our production team for, for a long time. He loved it. Mm, and I think and they loved him. Yeah, I think it's more mm. about being willing to understand the people and care for the people and pastor the people that you're ministering to wow. than it is about doing the thing that they do. Um, and, in fact, we've, we've always thought it was an advantage of not being a worship leader. Um, yes. we, don't, we don't have to wrestle with uh, getting our own place on the platform and making sure we get the airtime and, and well, what if they what if they look better than we look or, <laughs> you know, what if their songs get on the album and ours don't? We had none of those things to worry about. I think that served as well. And then you want everybody to win, right? Then you love everybody getting an opportunity, everybody finding their place, everybody doing what they're called to do and finding language to help them to love the Lord. Like the greatest honour for us was actually that we got to build the vocabulary of worship and the vocabulary of creativity and help them to understand what it is that they do and why it's significant and why it matters Mm -hmm. and then to help partner with the spirit to form Christ-likeness in them Mm -hmm. because the great, like I used to say to Rich all the time, I don't want to lose anybody that God's entrusted to us. It's like stewarding a flock and going, I want the busyness and the detail and the competitive world of creativity and in the church to not lose them to all the wrong things. And honestly, I I won't go on and on, but the, we would tell our team often that we're all worship leaders. Um, So if you're a, if you're a video editor or you're a, um, you know, a sound production person or a, a, a monitors engineer, um, you're facilitating worship and, and you're stewarding a gift before the Lord. You are leading others in worship. And, and so we would stand on the front row and I would do my best to just It'll every Sunday, <laughs> just, just lead the congregation in worship, like exemplify what it is that we would hope other people might and um, we'd often challenge our worship leaders that if they're not doing that, if they're only leading worship when on their platform, then they're doing the congregation a disservice and they're probably doing themselves a disservice because they're creating this discrepancy between who they are on the platform and who they are in the congregation. And, and we, would, we would be trying to work very hard at, at getting rid of that. You know, let's be authentic worshipers, not just leading worship or worshiping when we're leading on the platform. So. And then I think the Lord grace lead in the chair that you're in because I feel like I had an innate sense of what would work and we were Joe Average so we would listen to songs and go I want to sing that song I know that song seems like it's better musically and better I want to sing this about God and I want to I can catch that and I can do that and so I think there was something beautiful about not being the guy with all the special talents but just the average guy yeah and which is it comes back (laughs) to um the fact that the creativity and even the music, it's, it's there to serve. Um, it's, not, it's not meant to be the main thing. And I think when, when it's not your own creativity, when it's not your song or your, you know, whatever it is, your piece of art, um, then you can maybe a bit, be a bit more objective and you can, and you can help people to, to yeah. Um, yeah. Lay, down, lay down their creativity, sort of offer it to the Lord. And if the Lord wants to use it, that's great. But if he doesn't in that particular instance, that's okay too because there's something in, in the cracking open 
you know, the, the vessel and pouring out the creativity um, that's important. It's not just about it being seen, but it's just about the act of laying it down, um, offering it to yep. the Lord. Beautiful, beautiful. And I, I ask that because I've just been so intrigued and I thought it was so smart as I've seen more embrace that model. The, the, the front the front guy's singing does not have to lead the department. In fact, I think we're even advocating for the benefit of of seeing those two things as different. So I, I, I love that. Now, on the note of pastoring, I have a big question for you here. One of the things that you all are well spoken of, I've, I spoke to a couple of our mutual friends getting ready for this, and one of the things you all are so well spoken of is the way that you pastored the lives and even the families of the team members on your team. You know, ministry schedules get busy and the the requests of the church, especially in growing churches, fast moving churches, the requests are big sometimes and the hours can be long and the, the real impact that has on our kids. I have two girls of my own, you know, the real impact that has on our marriages and it seems to me, I'd just love to hear you talk about how you went about pastoring the families of your creative teams, because I feel like that's a really important dynamic for second chair leaders. Yeah, I, um, yeah. it's a big question. I, on reflection, um, it's really lovely that you would say that and that people would say that about us, and I hope that's what we did. That was our aim. Uh, I don't think we always got it right. I think, uh, again, on reflection, um, you know, we gave our all, we as a family, Cass and I and our kids, we gave our all to serving the Lord and to serving the church. And um, sometimes that, um, you know, was a personal cost. In fact, often it's a personal cost. Yeah. And I think, um, I guess to, to, to say here, um, before I answer your question, the real question, but, but to say here, I think uh, as leadership in churches, uh, particularly ones where the, where the standard is to go above and beyond to doing better than we did last time and to, to, you know, serve the Lord with everything we have and, and, and with quote unquote excellence. Um, when we're in those sorts of churches, we have to be extra mindful of the people that we're serving alongside. Uh, I think I, I've been really mindful that, uh, if, if we're, if we're, if we have a vision to reach people, uh, but that vision comes at the cost of hurting people. Um, you know, if, if someone's paying the price to reach those people. Yeah. And I think we have to be so mindful uh, of who's paying the price. And I think our senior leadership, our second tier leadership, and then, you know, creative leaders, we have to be more caring more about the people uh, that we're doing it with than just getting the thing done or the vision getting outworked. And it, it's such a tension because, because um, to do something well, you have to work hard. Um, but um, there's, there's also a line that we can sometimes cross. And so I would be very wary of that. Um, and we and tried not to want to do out. that. Go ahead. We um, actually, we just did a poll asking people would they rather burn out doing excellent work or live balanced doing mediocre work. And creatives pretty much all the time say they would rather burn out doing excellent work. And so I think, you know, that if they're your people, then you have to actually ask some questions about are you going home, how's your family. Um, there has to be pastoring around that. We found that there were plenty of people in our team who would avoid going home and want to do good work at church because it was easier than raising their children mm. and being with their wives. Mm. So I 
when that happens as pastors, we have to care about that stuff. My dad always yeah. said, smallest church you'll ever pastor is your own family. And he yeah. went, your kids are the only ones you can guarantee without a shadow of a doubt that the Lord has entrusted to you and you're responsible for them. So make sure that you're doing the right thing. Mm. And so we always, when we were raising our kids, and they slept under pews, they came to every rehearsal, they came to every Thursday night, team night, they went to school tired. They, like Our kids lived ministry life. And yet I think we did a lot of checking in and a lot of conversations about what seasons would look like. We made sure that there was joy for them and there was McDonald's on Sunday nights and there was there was treats and there was life around the busyness so that it wasn't all church and nothing else because mm-hmm. we wanted them to love Jesus at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. We wanted them to get to 18 and 19 like they are now and still have a relationship with the Lord and love the church and not despise it. Yeah. And I guess yeah. some... The other thing is uh, we, would, we would try to take responsibility uh, for uh, their outcome. So if someone ends up being upset or, um, you know, they've worked too hard and they're disenfranchised or, or the like, we would try to take responsibility for that and see that, that part of that is, is our, our fault in a sense. Part of that is our expectations. And so if people end up in a, in a, in a, bad place it's not always them with their bad attitude and they've gone off the road and they're upset you know that that's the end result of perhaps of sometimes bad expectations and so we would even do things like i I would encourage the team to see the the rostering even and you know all of the planning center work that we do see that as pastoral so so make sure that we're not we're not rostering people too much so they can't see their family, but also not, not rostering them too little so that they don't feel like they're outworking the gift or, or being, have, being able yeah. to serve. And, and it's a tricky balance, but it's one where if you're always putting the people first, so if it's not about the music, it's not about the creativity, it's not about the vision, it's about the people. Um, it's about, it's right. about um, pastoring and shepherding the ones that God has entrusted you to. And then together with them, um, reaching the lost, reaching the people outside, the, then then we're doing the right thing. You know, we, we've got we've got our um, priorities right, and so we've always tried to do that. Sometimes we've done it well, sometimes we've not done it well, um, and sometimes people just will be upset no matter what you do. I, I, that's a thing, um, but the reality is the people matter, and and not just the people outside, but the people inside as well. And so, yeah. real, like really practically, that meant that. Team nights on Thursday night, which were our creative rehearsal nights, there was a kids program and families were welcome to come together. So wives and husbands could come to the first part of the night, which was like a service or that sort of thing, and they could be together in church um, worshipping. It meant that at prayer meetings on Sunday mornings, we fed everybody breakfast, your wife, your children, your and, and it wasn't prayer for 10 people, it was prayer for 200 people who were part of the team and who all ate breakfast together, and we tried to develop community so that there was support Beautiful. for production um, guys' wives so that when they were in busy seasons, they had each other, and the United Wives would all band together and support each other when the boys were out on tour. It meant that we would do sausage sizzles at Christmas rehearsals and all the kids <laughs> would come down and see their dads and their mums at lunchtime and there would be lollies and um gift bags to say thank you to the kids for releasing their parents to do things. And we would save them seats at special events. And so there were things where we would go, how can we be mindful of families? Beautiful. And then we went 
Now, how are we mindful of the single guys as well because they often end up carrying the work for the families because they're not as busy. They don't have to go home to anyone. If we start thinking like that, our single guys will always be single and they'll never date. So then we went from, we used to esteem a girl in our team who always worked above and beyond and she was at everything and we went, we've got to stop esteeming her because we're stopping her from getting married. We're stopping her from dating, from having friendships. Now we need to send people home and love our single people as much as we love our married and families. Wow. Wow. Very, very well said. You know, Psalm 4 and 5, I was taught this by an early mentor. It says, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. And I had an early mentor say to me, what is the right sacrifice for my family? And yeah. I think the way every family needs to answer that for their family and answer, you know, each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, yeah. you yes. know, and, and that there is a right sacrifice for my family. My, my, our sacrifice might be different than your sacrifice, but helping people, I think this is so important for these busy, hardworking teams for us to lead people to a- answering that question. What's the right yeah. sacrifice for my family, for, for us, my, my daughter's, you know, 12 years into dad being gone 150, 200 nights a year. And that might, that might shock some people, but it's, it's, it's a grace we have on our family. It's a right sacrifice for our family. We were just looking through the pictures this morning and she's also been to Disneyland a truckload of times because yeah. of flyer miles, you know? So it's, it's, there's, there's, Every every family has a right sacrifice yes. to make, acceptable yeah. to the Lord, acceptable to your family. And I love the way that you've even just now pastored us through that question. So thank you. I have one more question for you that I'm dying to ask you before I let you go today. And I I ask this and, and you're gonna answer, I'm sure, very humbly, because you're in in some ways probably feeling like you're still in it, but I would just love if you would speak to transition for a minute, because transition is a big deal in everyone in ministry at some point will have some kind of transition. You're going to transition from one team to the next, or you're going to transition occasionally from a church, one church to the next or whatever Mm -hmm. transition. I'm the guy that's grown up in the same church my whole life, but I'm very aware that's incredibly unique to be at one church for 41 years. I'm very aware transition happens. And mm-hmm. I think the way that we handle it matters. So mm-hmm. would you have a word of wisdom if there's a leader listening who just senses transition uh, in their heart and something that God is leading them? What would What's a piece of wisdom you'd give them if they're staring that down? Yeah. Uh, I think... Uh, primarily the the thing to think about is the the fact that transition is a part of life. It does actually happen all the time in in all sorts of different ways. And so it's very normal for transition. We we stayed at our church um, for so many years and I thought that we would be there forever as well. And I think that that gave me a false sense of reality that, that, you know, uh, the transitions don't happen, but they actually do. um, And that's okay. And then I guess the thing would be to transition well is, is the thing. So for the, for the person who's considering uh, a transition and they're, they're upset and hurt um, and disenfranchised, then I would say start working on your heart as soon as you can, even before you transition. 
um, and work through the real issues. Make sure that that you're not just leaving uh, with a bit of spirit. Um, so for us, um, Cass really felt felt that one of the things we should do was be just grateful for what the Lord had done with the time that we had spent at, at Hillsong Church. And so she she wrote hundreds of letters of thanks to to people as we left to so that um, so that we could remember all of the ways that God had used all of the people and all of the circumstances and all of the conferences and all of the services and all of the sacrifice and all of the stuff, how, how the Lord had used all of that to bless us. And, and so even though there was hurt and there's pain in leaving, we left really grateful. It wasn't, it wasn't taken by uh, the negative stuff because I guess just like transition is a part of life, so too is hurt. So to his humanity, so to his sin, yeah. people do the wrong things and, and people get hurt, you know, and it's, it's, um, it's all worked very well and good to think that you're the only one who's hurt, but, but no doubt someone listening here who's thinking of transition has hurt others. And so I think some humility is really needed to go, yeah, yeah. I'm hurt, but I've probably hurt others. And so in that transition, humility to go, wow, um, you know, Lord, Lord, what do I need to take with me and what do I need to let go of? And sometimes it's um, a, a bit of uh, forgiveness is needed. Sometimes a bit of, hum- as I say, humility is needed in order to do that well. And then as you, as you move forward, if you truly believe that it's time to move on, then it's really about trusting the Lord and stepping out. Um, and so I feel like that's where we've, what we've had to do this year and that's been an exciting journey. So yeah. transition is going to be seen as a negative thing. But in fact, um, who knows what the Lord might want to do next? And I think that's just the adventure of faith is that you get to step into, into the unknown and into, into this new season with the Lord. Yeah. And I think maybe in that too, um, you've got to be realistic. When, when transition happens, there will be change in relationships. So we change in the nature of what's going on. And I think you have to not convince yourself that everything's just going to remain the same or get sideswiped when when relationships or work relationships change. I think everybody just needs a handful of good friends and so you only need one or two good friends and if you've got that, then you're blessed. And I think, Mm. like, honestly, because I I watch people transition and get so surprised that something keeps going with them, I think you've got to go, it's going to go on without you and, and you are going to just need to find a couple of good friends that you've got I think Jesus is a not negotiable. Like, so you transition maybe off church staff. You don't transition out of being Christian. And so you remain. Honestly. And so you do the basics in transition. Well, you open your Bible, you continue to seek the Lord, you continue to pray, you continue to go to church and you continue um, to see the kingdom as big, vast and beautiful. And to be honest, I feel like, um, Maybe the call changes, but the vocation that it has, we're all called to go and make disciples. Yeah. And so we can do that anywhere, anytime. And I think if we keep the main things, the main things in transition, then there's a security that everything will work out, that the storm passes and you just keep rowing and you get to the other side. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you both for just some beautiful wisdom today. Um, I, I appreciate your journey. I appreciate how you're navigating it and we celebrate you know, what God has done through you. So thank you for just sharing a piece of that with us today. We're really grateful. 
Thanks, uh, thanks for, for having, having us. us. Yeah, I hope it's helpful to those listening and and uh, and to you. And um, I can't wait to see what God does through you in the future and, and through us. Amen. Thank you, guys. Well, hey, it's been a great episode on the podcast today. I'm so glad you've joined us uh, for today's episode guide. Make sure to head to leadingsecond.com slash podcast and feel free to use this with your team as it serves you well. I pray that Leading Second continues to uh, resource you and help you as you run strong for the kingdom. We've got one episode left for season six, right before New Year's that I believe is going to bless you and help you. So Leading Second, we love you so much. Until we talk next time, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. To find the episode guide, visit our website, leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at Leading Second and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook. Facebook.